Mora conducts physician-led support groups, helping people live healthier, happier lives, free from chronic diseases like diabetes, hypertension, and obesity. And on our podcast, Health and Mora with Dr. Lori Marbus, we bring to you nutrition and lifestyle medicine experts and extraordinary guests to empower and inspire you with their knowledge and stories of plant-based lifestyle so that you can be your healthiest self. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Dr. Lori Marbus, and I'm excited to invite and talk about some really cool stuff with Rachel Brown. How are you today? I'm good, Lori. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, well, thanks for joining us. I'm, I'm always excited when people are willing to share their time and expertise and you know, give our listeners some cool tidbits, which you have a nice history and story and a book for Fork's sake, um, which <laughs> I was already challenged to say earlier. And, uh, <laughs> but we'll get to all that in a minute, but I'd love to get kind of into your story of how you found you know, whole food, plant-based eating, incorporating that into your life, and especially because you had uh, young kiddos at the time. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so I've always been interested in health. I thought I wanted to go into medicine um, at one point, but ended up getting a degree in geography. So um, kind of a switcheroo partway through college. But um, yeah, I, I ended up um, studying geography, doing research writing, and um, and always had high cholesterol. That's kind of where that my health story started. Um, I was always active in sports, all of that, but I had high cholesterol that was just stubborn. It was hard to get lowered, you know, and my doctors would tell me to cut back on cheese and cut back on eggs and it would get a little bit better, but never really got great. And um, my dad was always on cholesterol medication and I knew I didn't want to take cholesterol medication. Um, so I just, you know, treated it with trying to change up my diet, being different, you know, active in different ways. Um, but then, um, you know, I was in my early twenties and I was told I should go on cholesterol medication, which was really frustrating. Um, and then by my mid twenties, my, um, my nephew was diagnosed with cancer. Um, and he was only five years old at the time. And his mom was in nursing school and she had a professor who asked her if she'd looked at the role of nutrition in cancer. And, um, so she immediately, they started doing Gerson therapy, juicing a lot, eating raw, fresh stuff. And, um, she told me, you should really take a look at this book, which was the China study mm-hmm. and watch this movie forks over knives. And, um, they had like their own small hobby farm. Uh, they grew all their own meat. She had a great big garden, but she taught me how to pull mozzarella cheese the summer before. So, um, they were doing that whole thing and we had chickens at the time, um, but I read the China study and watched Forks Over Knives. And initially I was mad. I was just so upset that nobody had told me this incredible information. Mm. Um, and so, you know, for us, it was, we decided to go all in, like, let's give this thing a try. And so got blood work, um, cut out everything, all the animal products, all the oil, gave up coffee. <laughs> um, and I couldn't get back in for 17 days, but I got my blood work, went to see my doctor and he said, what did you do? Because Mm -hmm. I couldn't do this with cholesterol medication. Your cholesterol dropped 50 points. So whatever you did, keep on doing it. And that was, I I always say that was like really good news and bad news at the time, because it was quite a switch. Uh, We weren't eating a ton of meat, but um, you know, our kids were six and eight and uh, you know, we were eating mostly the standard American diet. So, um, so it was a big change, but um, my dad also, um, 
he has had high cholesterol, like I said, but he's also in the early stages of Alzheimer's. And his dad, my grandpa, had passed away from pancreatic cancer, also had Alzheimer's. My uncle died of pancreatic cancer as well. So uh, my doctor, in addition, did some other testing and we found out we carry the APOE4 gene. So that was another component as to why it was really important for us to do as much as we could finding out our genetics and in that piece and being so relieved to find out that really lifestyle and diet has so much more to say than genetics um up to 90 percent, right mm -hmm. so just um yeah that that was our journey in with our kids at six and eight and it, it was quite the journey at the beginning <laughs> yeah so how did they take it and how did you transition them and where are they at now yeah, you know, they actually took it really well. I would say, um, I tell a story in the book about um, the the green charred smoothie that I made was, it was a bit much, it was like fluorescent green. <laughs> and I didn't have enough lemon juice or, you know, it, it was just a little bit much, but um, for the most part, you know, it's, I talk with a lot of people, I do consulting now with people who are new to this lifestyle. And a lot of people are really concerned about their kids, like their kids aren't gonna jump on board, but I've really found in working with lots of families that kids actually adopt this way of eating a lot of times easier than adults do. You know, they don't have a lot of the same emotional baggage or ties to food um, that adults do. So, you know, for the most part, my kids were just fine. Uh, we, like I said, we did the 10 days in, we got rid of everything and we, we did it hard at first, you know, like no exceptions. Um, and I quickly realized that that, while it was good for me, um, maybe that wasn't the best approach for all of us. So we, you know, had to play with it for a bit to find out. Because my son, I also said in the book, you know, he went to a birthday party and had, I never remember if it was 12 hot dogs and six cookies or six hot dogs and 12 cookies. So it was like, oh, we've got to figure this out because this is going to work. Because we said, you know, at home, we're going to eat this way. And when you go somewhere else, you can eat whatever you would like. And that was obviously not... Um, not translating very well. So uh, it, it took some um, some working around, but um, they're now 19 and 21 away at college and they both choose to eat this way on their own. So they feel better, you know, they have energy that their friends don't, they didn't have acne. I mean, like all these just amazing side benefits, not to mention their blood panels being, you know, perfect. Um, those things really hit home for them. And a lot of their friends have also transitioned. So it's been mm. fun to watch the ripple effect. Mm. No, that's great. Yeah. So mine were 13, 15, 18, 11 years ago. Okay. And they all choose, you know, to maintain this diet, um, you know, to varying degrees, I'd say, um, you know, occasional, especially the, the it's, but it's also interesting what was their uh, interest but you know I was just going to say occasionally I think Emily might have cheese or something depending on where she's going but you know Emily is the oldest she's like more of the climate issue that was kind mm -hmm. of her compelling reason the middle yeah. one's like it's just the healthy thing to do and the uh -huh. youngest one is kind of more the ethical vegan so yeah you know each kid's going to have their own journey and I totally get that and um, totally appreciate that for sure. So yeah, I um, love it. You're covering all the bases there. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was very proactive because I had older kids was really looking at what documentaries I could have them watch mm -hmm. and just really try to, to, you know, parcel out what would be important for them so that they can connect to that emotional piece because 
I feel like that's where the the really main drivers for changing behaviors are is having some emotional component beliefs. Yes, I, I identify as someone who cares about my environment. So why should mm-hmm. I be doing things that aren't aligning with those beliefs? And that really seems to make a big difference. Yeah, definitely. I, I point people in the direction of all the amazing documentaries that are out mm-hmm. there these days. And, you know, a lot of them are, are really great for kids to watch too, especially teenagers, you know, but even young kids that I don't know if you've seen the orangutan video, you know, it's like a cartoon that was an ad for, um, it was peanut butter and like palm oil. And it's just this like three minute cartoon. You can look it up. And um, I mean, it's great for elementary kids. It's like once they connect in their mind, like, oh, when I eat peanut butter with oil in it, that's killing, you know, the, that's the home of orangutans. And I, I don't want to do that. You know, and it's like a hard stop for a lot of kids yeah. once they see that. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. You know, finding that connection point, what matters to them is, mm-hmm. um, is important for all of us, really. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And I feel like and all kids are such animal lovers. Yes. That it, that's a that's an easy win as well, just looking yep. at it. Um, yeah, some of those Facebook videos that have the little ones saying, I don't want to eat a chicken anymore. Why <laughs> yes. is there a lobster in the stove? You know, it's like they right. suddenly understand. Yes. So like, yes. Why don't we all understand that? So definitely. Yeah. I'm, I really believe if we all had to kill our own chicken every night, you know, to cook it there, we'd be eating a lot less chicken. <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Totally agree. Totally agree. Um, well, tell us a little bit more about, you know, for fork's sake and how that came about and what was your inspiration to write it? Yeah. So, um, you know, I was doing, I, I went back to school for massage, um, gosh, now about 12 years ago. And um, I had taught yoga and Pilates when the kids were young and um, went back to school for that. And then went to, actually, I had a client who told me about this amazing massage she'd received in actually on Maui and um, how she did this amazing technique that healed his back. And um, so long story short, I eventually went and studied with this doctor in Colorado and it was called the pain neutralization technique. And it really um, it helped people get out of chronic pain. And um, so his neurological work was using your brain to turn off pain signals. And that's what I've been doing up until I wrote the book, um, which was really up until COVID hit and I couldn't see clients. Um, but it was really fascinating work and I loved it. But once COVID hit and I couldn't see clients, I went back and got my plant-based nutrition certificate from the T. Colin Campbell Center for Nutrition Studies. And I was trying to figure out what is the best way to disseminate this information. Um, because I knew a lot of people over the years, we would hand out the China study, we would hand out Forks Over Knives, you know, um, How Not to Die, some of these seminal books, and people wouldn't pick them up and read them. They were more apt to watch a documentary, but a lot of people I knew, you know, wouldn't sit down and read that book. Um, and when I talked to young families, a lot of parents just kept saying, I don't have time to read. I, I really don't read a lot anymore. I maybe read some blogs, but you know, mm-hmm. I'm just overwhelmed. And so that's when it kind of dawned on me that maybe if I wrote a book that was um, just enough information, kind of the why, why is this good for our bodies? Why is this good for the planet? And then a quick how-to, um, taking everything we learned in those initial 10 years and just put it down into a 10-day, like give this a go kind of thing. Um, keep it light, you know, make it an easy read that maybe that would 
reach a different audience of people who I hope will move on to read the China study, um, but maybe who wouldn't initially pick up that book. So, uh, so that's what I set out to do. And um, really just wove in our story of, you know, what it looked like for us to transition and the tips and tricks that I wish I would have had. It's really the book I wish I would have had 13 years ago when we made the transition. So mm. that was my goal. And it's been really fun. Just, um, you know, every week I get an email from at least one person saying how they've made this transition. And, you know, either they tried before and it didn't work, or this is their first time and just all the amazing benefits that they're experiencing. It's just been so gratifying. Mm. So it's like a manual for like a 10 day jumpstart, so to speak. Yeah, it is. I, um, yeah, I outlined it, you know, there's a day zero. So like what you need to know before you start. And then um, it is a really quick read. I mean, the audiobook is four hours long. So you can read this thing on a flight if you want. Um, and, you know, I would suggest reading all the way through and then um, going back and going through, but it is outlined in the like day one through 10. And um, yeah, really just giving you some steps, you know, from cleaning out your kitchen, your house, you know, and if, if that's not your personality style, how else you can go about doing this? Um, yeah, how to get family on board, how to talk to people who are doubters, you know, I mean, it starts really with all those questions everybody gets, you know, page five is the where do you get your protein? <laughs> so you can quickly have an answer for all those uh, people wondering where you're getting protein. Um, Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious, what is, you know, so some of the re recurring questions that we get from patients is really that family piece, right? So someone lives in my house who doesn't want to transition to a plant-based diet, has no interest, maybe there's a bit of sabotage occurring. What do you do? How do you coach people to deal with those type of difficult situations? Yeah, well, first of all, I would say kudos to those people because um, it's difficult sometimes with people who are all on board, you know, who are wanting to have a tempting snack or, you know, some vegan junk food or something. So mm -hmm. I'm always so impressed with people who are the lone wolf in their house, you know, going at this. But um you know, there are some tricks to employ. So whether you have your own space for your food and you just, you know, you're not going to go into that other cupboard that has the chips or, you know, that part of the freezer with the ice cream or whatever, that can be helpful. But one of my favorites is a woman I work with and she told a story about um, her husband didn't want to transition to this way of eating. They were a little bit older and she was the primary cook and he didn't cook. And so she was making all this amazing, you know, rainbow colored food, um, you know, fruits and vegetables and grains, all this beautiful food. And so what she did was she would still buy the meat that he wanted, but instead of presenting it like she usually did, she would just boil it in water and put it on a plate for him. And I was like, that is the best idea ever. And, you know, she did that and he ate it a few times and then was like, this doesn't even look good. I'll have some of what you're having. So that was honestly my favorite. I, I've never tried that myself, but I think that's probably the best. Um, yeah, I, I, that was a source of inspiration for me. <laughs> oh, yeah. That is a woman after my own heart. I love it. Right. <laughs> I thought she was kind to keep doing it. I mean, I, I personally would probably just say, well, you're on your own, then you need to cook your own food. But, yes, um, yes. I thought yes. it was a really great. <laughs> Yeah, I do remind patients, you're like, you're not a short order cook. And yes. what's yes. really funny is getting back around, circumventing back to the kids. 
is they'll say, you know, but my kids won't eat this way. So, you know, they're eating this. I'm like, well, how old are your children thinking? They're like teenagers driving, have their jobs. Oh, they're like four and six. I'm like, (laughs) where did we forget to parent in this world? Where did we learn to understand that you are making these decisions? And they have profound implications for your child's health, their future. For sure. So I was like, so who's driving to go buy the McDonald's chicken nuggets? Uh, exactly exactly yeah I mean I talk about we sat down and made a list of our favorite foods as a family Mm. so ask your kids what do they love to eat you know if it's macaroni and cheese and chicken nuggets you can actually make those out of plant-based foods so Mm -hmm. just pick three or four of their favorite meals and make those same meals plant-based you know and sure it won't taste exactly the same in the beginning but within 10 days two weeks when their taste buds are changing those become their favorites. I mean, my kids classically, they loved mac and cheese. And um, that was like a treat out of the box that they would get when we had a babysitter or something. And (laughs) I made plant-based macaroni and cheese. And then they would go to a friend's house and go, oh, I can't wait. We're going to have macaroni and cheese. And they'd come home and say, it didn't even taste as good as I remember. It doesn't taste as good as ours, you know? So taste buds really change um, and, and really rapidly. So yes, and to your point, you know, not allowing kids to drive the bus of, you know, how eating is happening in your family. I think now, you know, so many families are so busy and there's tablets and devices and really keeping that dinner time, especially um, breakfast as well, if you can, you know, uh, sit down time so that you're not distracted you can actually sit there and eat good food you can have conversation I put some um, games in the book too that we did with our kids at the dinner table so just to keep it fun for varying ages you know even adults you know we do high low and what the heck of the day you know Um, even young kids love that they get to talking and they're interested in listening and if you're actually hungry that's another thing for kids. You know, if they've had a string cheese and goldfish crackers at 4 p.m. and they've been sitting watching TV, you know, they're probably not going to be hungry for a, you know, plant-based minestrone soup. But mm. if they were out running around and they had some fruit or veggies and they're actually hungry um, or they helped make the meal, you know, they're a lot more apt to be excited about the plant-based dinner that's on the table that night. Mm, no, I love that. I, you absolutely, because a child that's involved will be more likely apt to eat those foods for sure. But just kind of circling back to the food and sitting down at your table and getting rid of the distractions, turning off the TV, removing the phone. Because remember, there's an art of listening. So when you're having conversation at a table, you know, being engaged in the art of conversation, but also being good listeners and good rescinders, right? So those kids are learning valuable skills that will help them interact with others when you're sitting down at the table. So think of it not only as time to grow those familial relationships, but you're teaching your kids skills that they'll need to join the rest of the world outside of your home. And it's these are skills that are lost, right? So I think people are always um, surprised when we run into people who really truly listen, right? So they're mm-hmm they're responding to you, they're saying back to you what they've heard, they're asking questions to probe deeper. And those are people, even if those are brief interactions with strangers or you know, someone that's a dear friend, you treasure those moments because it just doesn't happen as much now in this very you know, <laughs> Zoom artificial world that we live in. Um, so just uh, to keep that in mind. 
I couldn't agree more. It's so true. And it really stands out. Like you said, you know, when you have a conversation, especially with a younger person, yes. you know, somebody under the age of 24, let's say, you know, <laughs> who can actually look you in the eyes and listen and, and have a conversation it really stands out because yeah, it, uh, things have changed and that's not a, not a um, skill that everybody has these days. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, yeah, absolutely. So yes, getting back to cooking in the kitchen together, learning your family recipes, learning to not be afraid to to mess up in the kitchen. It doesn't mean you failed in life. It's just the kitchen. <laughs> no one's Good point. You. It's not a life and death situation here. It's, it's okay. And, you know, we made it, we're a very competitive family. So um, close knit, but very competitive family. And there are really fun stories of that. But the, you know, the one thing that I used um, transitioning, because, you know, I still cooked at home, but um, I gave them the the freedom of thumbs up, thumbs down, or, eh, you know, kind of thumb level. Mm -hmm. And uh, so in the beginning, of course, it was just the true joy to see my aghast face. and was like, bad mom, this isn't good. <laughs> you know, thumbs down, I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Mm -hmm. I'm upping my cooking game. So that's when you start learning. So it was really fun for me to learn more skills of flavor and cooking, but also seeing them not say anything and go back for seconds. I'm like, yeah, oh yeah, I won that <laughs> one. So it's all good. I'll, I glow to myself. It's all good. But yeah. Oh, yes, for sure. I'm with you on that. My son still to this day says he doesn't like sweet potatoes. And I have to like bite my tongue because his favorite enchiladas are sweet potato enchiladas. His favorite brownies are sweet potato brownies. And I mean, it was like a running joke oh, because I would gosh. say, you know, we're sitting down for dinner. Like, do you want to know what's in this? And he's like, no, don't tell me. <laughs> I want to so like it. Funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Yes. I'm like, whatever works, whatever works. Yep. I, will, <laughs> I will speak your language if that works. Yes. We know what's the truth. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, that's great. So what is some of besides, you know, where do you get your protein? What are some of the other more common questions if someone's, you know, considering going plant-based or is just in this beginning phases, what are some of the struggles and questions that you feel your book helps them prepare or where you feel like you could give some advice? Yeah, you know, I that's a great question. I think these days there's so much noise out there as to what's healthy. Um, mm. And there's confusion really about what are plant-based foods, you know, even starting there, you know, breaking down what does whole food plant-based no oil really mean and you know the first question usually I get is like well what do you even eat you know right. um or I don't like salads you know and I'm like you'd never have to have a salad <laughs> if you don't want you can there, there's so many other foods that you can eat um so really breaking down what do what do whole foods look like so mm. you know just because corn is processed in mixed with oil into a corn chip doesn't mean that that's a good food to be eating. So I'm mm. um, talking about what what real food is. And um, just because it has a plant-based label or organic label doesn't mean it's going to be good for you. So that's probably the biggest thing. Second to that would be, um, well, you mean bad oils, right? Like olive oil is a good oil, so it can have olive oil, you know? So the discussion around oils and um, what they do to our bodies and mm -hmm. um, 
um, and, and how our bodies work with whole foods as opposed to processed foods or foods that have had things extracted or added to them. Um, and yeah, just a discussion about what fits into those categories. So mm. um, really helping people understand the plethora of food that they can eat. I mean, there are so many, it's, it seems limiting at first to people when all they're buying is meat and cheese and oil and processed food. But, you know, once you leave those aisles and wander the periphery of the grocery store or go to your farmer's market or order online or whatever, I mean, even just looking at grains, the types of grains there are for people to explore and like you said, have fun with in the kitchen. It might not work out perfect the first time, you know, I spoke with a woman last week who said when she went to the store the first time she tried to find, she asked them where the Kua Onwa was, <laughs> and they were like, quinoa. I think you mean quinoa, <laughs> you know, so giving yourself some grace and going, you know what, you're going to figure it out. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, and just having fun with all the, all the options out there. So really just putting some definitions around the terms for people up front is helpful to understand, you know, what are we trying to do here? Mm. No, that, those are very good points. I think coming back to the processed foods that you mentioned and understanding what whole foods are, because in the beginning, you know, when you're helping patients transition and they'll go and eat the plant-based processed foods, which there's much more of that available now mm -hmm. than there was even 10, you know, 11 years ago. But it's fascinating to me. They're like, I don't understand why I'm not losing weight. I'm eating this, this, and it's like, oh, it's the impossible burgers. And blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, sorry, you know, maybe that was my fault for not explaining, but that's a very good place to start is understanding the, the closer it came from mother, you know, mother earth, the better. Um, that's the definitely miss. Yeah. Yeah. And that has, like you said, really changed in the last, you know, 13 years ago, it, it, people didn't, I really know the term whole food plant-based for sure, but even vegan, they were unclear as to like what that mm. was, but yeah, it's, I would say in some ways more difficult now because there yes. are all these products or things that look like they would be okay. Um, yeah. And I talk about using some of those transition foods for people who maybe wouldn't make a jump immediately, but yeah, the sooner you can get away from processed foods, um, and arguably they're better for the environment in some ways, but, um, long-term, I'm not sure how much better really when we're, you know, creating package stuff, there's just yeah. so much you can do with real food. Um, right. and you'll, you know, for a lot of people too, I work with, I mean, all ages of people, but for young families looking to save money on groceries, you know, you're probably not going to save money if you transition from the standard American diet to a bunch of processed plant-based foods. Mm -hmm. But if you're transitioning to whole foods, you can literally fill your grocery cart with all the fruits and vegetables, legumes, grains, even nuts, you know, cashews and macadamia nuts, even, mm -hmm. um, seeds, all those things, spices, and you'll still come out ahead if you're, you know, leaving all that meat and dairy and oil. Those are the most expensive things in your grocery cart. So once you get rid of those and put real whole plant-based foods in your cart, you'll, you'll come out ahead. Mm -hmm. And not only that, I remind patients, you know, to sign up for those grocery store discount cards. What's really interesting is over time, they only send you coupons based on your buying history. So if yeah. all you're buying is in the produce section, guess what? You're going to get, I've had five, 10, 15, sometimes even $20 off of produce section, like here, come back and we'll give you $20 off this, whatever. 
frozen fruits and vegetables, canned beans, all the greens. Yes. Yeah. So I never get anything that's junk food or processed because I'd never buy that. So yeah, it's, it's a fascinating thing. I think though, occasionally I get one for like an Amy's pizza or something, because we do have that on occasion, the cheeseless pizza, you know, the, the veggie pizza one. So yeah. yeah. So those, those are, that's like the worst of it. We pile more vegetables on that even. So again, right. you know, those yep. are the wonderful things that you can start seeing, but yeah, absolutely. It's, it's called a popper's diet for a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think I get hummus. That's my, you know, if I'm yeah. not making it at home, I'll get the hummus thing, but yeah, it's all vegetables or fruit, which is so great. 100%. You know, the other thing I talk about too, is you don't have to live near, there's this misconception that you need to live near a whole foods or right. a specialty store. And, um, you know, I, I really love that you could eat this way. If you just have a dollar tree near you, you know, mm-hmm. it, they have grains, they have beans, they have frozen vegetables often, you know, you can find stuff and you can make it work really wherever you're at. So, mm-hmm. um, kind of dispelling the myth that you need to, you know, there's some kind of elite diet or something, uh, really just going, no, that's a lifestyle that civilizations have existed on for millennia. So we just need to get back to that. Yeah, no, I would say when you're speaking to dollars, I think the most expensive piece is going to be your spices. And so if you're Mm -hmm. investing in those spices, but if you go to like Indian stores or Mexican stores or Asian markets, you're going to get those even much cheaper bulk wise. So just thinking about where you're buying, um, Whole Foods is going to be adding extraordinarily a large amount of profit. So avoiding holds, but when we transitioned, we lived in Western Colorado in a town called Rifle. It was like 10,000 people, mm-hmm. rural Colorado. And we had a Walmart and we had a Kroger's. Um, and so literally these are just your normal, typical everyday grocery stores you're going to find. Now there are food deserts, obviously that's more of a challenge and that speaks to a whole other problem yep. in our food system and those neighborhoods being really focused in on junk food and mm-hmm. yeah so yeah that's that's a whole nother separate conversation but when we speak to the majority there's usually a grocery store especially if you can drive um within a, a distance a reasonable distance so mm-hmm. yeah absolutely so what are some of the um more fun things that you like to do maybe favorite recipes or things that your kids have really resonated with that they like to talk about other than the the sweet potato <laughs> uh, yumminess that you have going on. Yeah, it's funny because when I was writing the book, I asked my daughter and she was like 18 or 19. I said, you know, what are some of the foods that you miss? Um, you know, and and she thought for a minute, she's like, I don't have any foods that I miss. This is kind of speaking to that, like kids transition easier. And I was like, I thought she'd maybe say, oh, you know, turkey meatloaf or something that she used to like when she was young. And Mm. she's like, no, I like all our versions of what we eat now better than anything. So it is fun when they come home from college, they just want home cooking, you know, things that Mm. we always do. And I would say some favorites, Um, you know, we make pizza also, you know, with no cheese and all that. We, we, eat a fair amount of cashew cheese. We go like cashew cheese or oat cheese, depending on our activity level. But um, we've taken to not even using pizza crust. We just use whole wheat pitas Mm -hmm. and um, everybody gets to make their individual pizzas, you know? So um, I make a bunch of pesto when it's, you know, basil is abundant at the farmer's market. I just stick it in the freezer. Um, 
and we love that on pizzas and then whatever veggies sound good. Um, one of the processed foods, I guess we will splurge on, but it doesn't have oil. It's, it's, um, it's no evils Italian sausage. I don't know if you've mm. had that, but yeah. um, made with all plants, all things that you can read and you would recognize. So um, we'll sometimes splurge on that to put mm. on our pizzas along with green peppers and mushrooms. And mm. um, so that's a favorite. Uh, also bowls. I mean, you just really can't go wrong, especially with kids, you know, when they have choice in what they get to eat, mm. that can be really helpful. So um you know, whether it's a rice or a quinoa, whatever you use as your base for a starch or potatoes, sometimes we use baked potatoes, um, then just having this rainbow of options for them to choose from. Um, and then having some sauces, you know, whether it's a cashew ranch or a tahini dressing, or our standard is just mustard and maple syrup mixed together. Um, easiest dressing in the world. <laughs> Learned about that from the Dougals. And, um, super simple. So those are, those are some go-tos for sure. Yes. I actually love the brown mustard, maple syrup and garlic uh, powder. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It's so good. Like I learned that from the Shane and simple website. Okay. Him. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he's, that's there's some yummy recipes on that website mm -mm. yes yes well and so versatile I mean you can put it on oh. so many things right salad yes it's like a honey mustard yeah flavor. right 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 mm -mm. yep yep it's making me hungry right now I, know. I just you know for lunch I had a chickpea salad and you know for the mayo I used it, it was a cashew base but it just had lemon juice it had you know garlic um, some onion powder it had some mustard powder mm -hmm. um, some water Oh, I use aquafaba. Um, mm -hmm. What else is in there? Two different things. And it's that tanginess. You know, I never yeah. liked mayo before, yeah. so I never ate it, but, you know, I'd eat it like in egg salad or whatever, if I ever had that very often. But um, yeah, so there you go. I'm putting some dill in that chickpea salad and onions and mm -hmm. red bell pepper. Yeah. So honestly, there's, the food is so much more beautiful, I think for me visually. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a big piece too. Um, it really is. You know, some of the, my kids never liked salad dressing. Like they hmm. kind of liked ranch, but they didn't, you know, even that they didn't love. So um, yeah, finding some dressings that work that they like. Um, there's a great um, coleslaw Right. It's a cashew base too, but it is incredible. And we will make that almost once a week in the summer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just incredible. But yeah, the, you're right. The colors, the rainbow of colors on the salad. I mean, we're visual people, you know, so I think that really does help. Um, yeah, just to awaken all the senses, you know, and the taste. I mean, I tell the story about my son when um, we were having pitas and he bit into one. And he was like, oh, my gosh, where did you get these red peppers? And I was like, they're the same red peppers. I'm like racking my brain like it's the same thing, you know, but we were really cutting down. I mean, he had high cholesterol at age 10. Um, he carries the same gene that I do as does my dad. And so we'd been plant-based at that point for two years, but, um, at school, he would like come home with snacks, you know, all this stuff. And he loved peanut butter and avocados. So we were eating a lot of the higher fat plant-based foods. So we were cutting back and, um, I realized we were about eight to 10 days into really cutting out any fats, um, extra fats. And that's when that red pepper tasted so sweet to him. And it was like Amazing. his taste buds were just 
reawakening really um mm. you know i'd pick him up from school and he'd come out with a cookie for his sister like we got another treat you know for something because he was really eliminating them for a time but it was really fascinating during that time just to watch how his taste buds refined even more so mm. yeah i think now you know eating a fresh peach in the summer or some red pepper i mean those beautiful foods that just taste so incredible my favorite, well, there's two things, Palisade peaches from Colorado. Yes. Oh my goodness. And you will become a peach snob. There's, you just, <laughs> you just walk into owning that. This is what I am. I'm a peach snob. Got to have Palisade <laughs> peaches. Um, but yeah, I totally get that. And then love, love, love persimmons. So when we get to mm. that time of year, mm. yes. Yeah. And I hadn't had a persimmon, you know, that I remember until we moved to California. We have a neighbor up the road who has a tree and she just puts out a box. So what? we eat persimmons for like a month and a half, just fresh every day. Yeah. They are incredible. I need a new, fr I need some new neighbors that grow some trees. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's, that's amazing. Persimmons. Mm -mm -mm. So yeah. fantastic. Well, wonderful. Well, tell us where we can find your book. What where we can find you, where people connect, um, should they um, like to engage with any of your services that you offer? Sure. My website is www.forforkssakebook.com. And um, yeah, on there, you can access the book. The book is um, all over. It's on Amazon. You can get it online, Barnes & Noble, all those places, um, some select bookstores paperback, uh, hardcover, and there's an audiobook as well for people. A lot of people ask for that. So um, I did that. And, and like I said, it's four hours long. So that's, you know, like four walks or something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm also on Instagram and Facebook at For Forks Sake Book. And um, you can sign up for my newsletter on my website if you want. I send out weekly tips, tricks, recipes, uh, happenings. Um, and I donate 50% of the profits from the book, the sale of the book to charity and 1% goes to 1% for the planet. So this really is my attempt at giving back. I mean, our family reversed heart disease and um, we're healthy because of the changes that we made. And I really want every human, every family to experience the benefits of what plants can do. So um, it's my attempt at really trying to help people on the planet with this book. Mm. That is lovely sentiment and a wonderful place to, to end this great conversation. So thank you for your time and writing this book. And I'm sure many people, especially we get a lot of beginners listening to the podcast or maybe docs who are looking for resources to refer to patients. So this would be a good one. Everyone, there'll be links also in the description below. So thank you for listening and thank you, Rachel, for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me, Dr. Lori. It was a pleasure. Thanks for watching and I hope you enjoyed that video. Before you go though, please hit the subscribe and alert buttons so you don't miss out on any of the amazing content we're working so hard to provide you. We upload a new episode of Health & Mora with Dr. Lori Marbus every Friday. Now, if you'd rather listen to the podcast, you can find us on all the major platforms such as iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and even Spotify. If you're looking for amazing resources to help you start and sustain a plant-based diet, exercise, recipes, or anything wellness, we got you covered there too. Because at Mora, we actually provide physician-led support groups to help people live happier, healthier lives free of metabolic disease. Don't forget to check out our website at mora.com. And thanks again for watching.